0: Welcome to the Possibility Lounge, monthly conversations with some of my favorite healers, dreamers, thinkers, and innovators about how they're dreaming up and living their most liberated lives. I'm your host, Jen Roberts. This month in the lounge, I'm joined by Dr. Christina Harrington, design researcher and professor at Carnegie Mellon University and one of my design partners in this work. We met a little over a year ago on a panel and since then have been able to join forces to create Building Utopia, an Afrofuturist-inspired speculative design toolkit. Christina's goal in her work is to bring the ideas of design to our communities, the ones who have always been at the forefront of new, innovative ideas. In this episode, which I'm calling Do The Thing, Christina talks about finding her authentic self as a queer preacher's kid ditching engineering for design, and having the courage to put new ideas into the world. Learn more about Christina and our Building Utopia project at buildingutopiadeck.com. Grab a drink and a journal, find a comfy spot, and listen in. This is The Possibility Lounge.
1: How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. How's it
2: going?
1: It's good. I'm glad to have this conversation with you because we've been working together now for how long ago did we meet? Glad it, yeah. it's no, it's been at least a year. You know the pandemic time has me uh yeah. I don't be remember, but yeah, like a year so. Yeah. It's some change, I think. Yeah, um it's, Yeah, it's been at least,
2: yeah, it's been at least a year I think because I think Catherine um introduced us um Or no no no, it and then was we did that um, panel together. We did that panel together, yes. yeah. And yeah, I was yeah, together. I was still in I was still in Atlanta at the time. So, um, and I had yeah, it was probably it was probably it's pro- it probably about a year to to yeah, this point I think you're right, year.
1: almost or like maybe a little over a year. You're right. Um, so yeah, we've known each other for about that time and been working together on a project that we'll talk about later in this podcast, but um. I'm excited for people to get to know you and who you are, and particularly for people outside of the academic world, because I know people in the academic world and in the design world know who you are, know your work, but I think it's important, and I know this is important to your work too, um, for the work to not stay in the ivory tower and for mm-hmm. us to be bringing the work to the community. So I'm excited to have people learn about you and your story and what... Um, what you're doing with your work, and then some stuff that we're working on together. So I'm going to start this with the way I start all of our conversations um, and ask you, what is your origin story? How did you become the Christina that we all know today?
2: That's such an interesting question, because I think that, like, that goes so many ways, and I'm I'm so used to answering it as, like, how did you get into the work that you're doing? Or, like, how did you get into, like, like research or whatever, but I think um, one of the things I get to talk less about in my origin story is just like um, me showing up unapologetic in my authenticity, um, because I actually had a really interesting conversation with my partner the other day about how um, she, she was like, I walk around the world with like tall people privilege, um, and then I do things that only tall people can do. Oh, that's um, so funny. When we walk around, she was just like, you know, you just move in this way, and you don't realize that you can, that you are able to do that, but short people can't. And I was like, I don't necessarily think it's that all the time. I think that there was such a long period in life where I had to shrink, where I felt I had to shrink myself. Mm-hmm. either because of the non-acceptance of my queerness, of um, the perceptions, or or just that whole concept of like um, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. of like feeling really unsure. And even though they were in things that I knew, even though I knew them, um, of, you know, being told to kind of keep my head down and do the work and kind of like not be loud or boisterous as a Black woman in certain settings. And I think that as I kind of evolved into A like my gender identity, um and B also just recognizing that like to me it's it's almost like the the flip. Like because I realized that you're going to see me when I come into a room, like I'm I'm almost six feet, I'm dark skinned, I have locks. You know I'm masculine of center, I am going to be noticed in a room that there is no point in me attempting to shrink. There is no point in me attempting to be, you mm. know, more quiet and less, less, you know, boisterous or vocal or what even what we're sometimes called as like aggressive in, in work settings or collaborative settings. Like I might as well just show up as myself because um, you know, you're you're going to see that anyway. So I think what's made me the Christina I am today is that realization, and then kind of like this this like bringing about this, um, you know, that 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 kind of like I don't give a fuck anymore attitude. Than mm-hmm. the have In yeah. their like 40s and 50s, and they're like, wait till you get this age, because you can say what you want to say and do what you want to do. You don't care. I think I've kind of like started to get that a little earlier in my life, to where I'm like, look you're going to see me, I'm going to talk my shit, um, you know, and if that, if if, if y'all going to pay me to, to talk it, if that, and and that's when things started to kind of gel together in my work life, because it's like, these are things I'm passionate about. I am knowledgeable about these things. I am, you know, competent in, in doing research and design and talking about research and design. Um, And, and life just kind of felt, S- slightly easier in that regard. I mean, it's, it's still, you know, there are still times where you question, uh, especially like, you know, when we're talking about like building utopia, there there are still moments of like, you know, you know nerves and nervousness and anxiousness yeah. of how will this be received by the world? And is it good enough, right? There's still always mm-hmm. questions of, is it good enough? But I think, in terms of that stopping me from doing something, that's no longer the case, right? It's just like how do I get over that and navigate through that to still do what I want to do? If I want to, you know, put out this toolkit, I'm gonna put out this toolkit. If I want to write this essay, I'm gonna write this essay. If I want to do this op-ed, or you know, in the back of my mind lately, I'm really thinking about writing a book. Like those things no longer scare me to the point of not attempting them. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: You know, that's, I feel like that's big. I've I, When I, even when I talk to women who I think are at a place where at least they know the things they're passionate about and want to do, they might not have like, maybe they realize it's not their job and they need to do something else. Or maybe it is their job and they're just finding a different way to do it. But like, mm-hmm. it's the fear part that always mm-hmm. then like puts the dream on pause or slows mm-hmm. the dream down, right? And so hearing mm-hmm. you say that like, the fear became easier to get over once I just decided you're going to see this. So I'm going to show up as this, I'm going to do the Mm -hmm. things that this body, this thing wants to do. Right. And if you like it, great. And if you're going to pay me even better, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to just be who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that hearing you connect that to that and then making it easier for you to not be fearful, not that Mm -hmm. it's not fear there, Mm -hmm. but to get over the fear, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's powerful because it don't, it's work to become your authentic self, but it's free in some ways, right? Like you get with the right community with the that helps you with the right support. You can turn into that authentic version of your, find out who that is and then turn into that authentic version of yourself. And then to know that that could be your power to overcome your fear, I think can make it more approachable to, for the dream to happen, right?
2: It's so freeing. And when you start to it and people, people people notice it because I think it was like mm, it's 2022 so maybe like four or five years ago that people started saying that to me and I was like what do you mean they would be like you're just so free and I'm like me <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a preacher's child right. what you mean, free? like what? <laughs> listen recovering um, church
1: girl right here so I yeah <laughs> yeah
2: but I think it's just that like you know, refusing to be anything but, you know, what what I am and no longer, um, like, trying to fit that into packaging. Because, I mean, I think when we talk about, like, when we talk about just that, like, com- coming up as my dad was a pastor, I grew up in the church so, 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 so heavy um, uh, in North Carolina and, and Virginia. And then, you know, coming into my queerness, there was still this need to, like, package myself in a certain way. You know, if I still dress girly, then... Yeah. Um, You know, people will have less of a problem with it. If I, you know, don't date anyone um, and I'm not visible with it, people will have less of of a problem with it. Um, And then I think just, like, realizing that you can't live like that. You can, like, you you can exist, but you're not living like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And how stifling that is. And then my own hangups of, like, time and how time is so precious and we don't really realize the ways that we kind of um, you you gamble with time every single day, every single day that you're like, I'm going to start that next week or next year, or when I lose this weight, I will, or mm-hmm. once I have a partner, I can go here. You're gambling with time in a way that it's just like, I had to get to a point where I'm like, bro, you know, my, my father passed when he was 52 years old. That's like 15 years from my age. So I don't have, like, there's not a lot of time for us to gamble with those when we fit into this p- package of perfection, as opposed mm-hmm. to just our authenticity of who we are now to like live, right. And to no longer just exist. Um, and so I think that there's like certain areas of my life where I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to live. Like if that means that You know I don't get the job or I don't get the partner or whatever like Mm -hmm. that's fine, but at least i've stayed authentic to me and and how my life is able to shape in the time that i'm here, you know, in the time that I do have. right Um, put the thing out there like. Put let's put this toolkit out there. I'm so thankful for and, and particularly the Black women, like you know the com, the conversation and collaborations that we've had, but also you know Dr. Leslie and Noel, who's just like put it out there, mm-hmm. put it out there, ask questions later, you know, yeah. um, and kind of that being its own like unapologetic authenticity. Um, of how we show up as designers, right? Um, you know, we 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 question whether or not we need these big brands or big companies behind us. Or like, do I need to be working in a certain organization to call myself this, or to do this, or to share this knowledge with the world? And it's just like, you know, baby girl, you probably have more knowledge than half the people <laughs> in those organizations. <laughs> in reality, um, do the thing, you know.
1: No, I need to, I needed to hear that. And I know we tell each other this all the time when we're on the call, like, no, we can do this. Or we just need to do it like this. We tell Mm -hmm. each other to do the thing a lot in lots of different ways. And I need to hear it this morning. So I'm glad that you Mm -hmm. said it. Um, And I think that's a good segue into us talking a little bit about, specifically about how you got into design and your drive to make sure that your work does not stay in the academy, that it is in the community and like what, drove you to want to do this type of work in our communities? And then, like, let's talk about building Utopia, too.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, what drove me to design is just that, like, I wanted to, like, engage with people. I've always, you know, when I was when I was young, um, I had, like, the mind of a tinkerer. I went to, like, the robotics, um, the LEGO um, Mindstorm uh, Math and Science Academy program. Um, when I was in middle school, like I was that kid on Saturdays my mom was taking me to the Math and Science Center in Richmond. Um,
1: hey,
2: I, yeah, you know, I, love, I, was,
1: I love the Math and Science Center. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I was, um, I was doing the Lego robotics courses. Um, and I was just wanting to like build with my hands and do things with my hands. And I think, you know, one of the, the things that I'm really trying to address and design right now to circle to your question is like, you know the exposure of design in communities that don't that, that look like mine. And so you know growing up in in where I grew up and you know my family um being at least on my mom's side somewhat educated you know um folks went to HBCUs. I had my mom finished college, my aunt finished college, um one of my uncles went for a couple of years, but um you know no one like design isn't something that had really made its way into neighborhoods that look like the ones I grew up in or into communities or family conversations that look like the ones like no one was talking about you can grow up to be an industrial designer or do graphic design or do interaction design. It was always, if you are going to the math and science center, if you're building with your hands, you're gonna go be an engineer, get a good job, so you can earn money and 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 you know, help help your your family situation. Um and I think. I got into engineering, and I was like, "Nah, this ain't it." Because even though, you know, in in high school, I had the aptitude for like math and science classes, um, I think it, it just felt very distant from understanding, you know, or or seeing that light up of how people engage with a thing after you've built, like after you've you know mm-hmm. built it. Um, yeah. And I felt like that was missing from from a, from my my experience, at least with engineering. Um, and so I pursued, you know, exploring industrial design when I was at Virginia Tech, and then going back to getting my master's degree in industrial design at NC State. And I think each step along that process kind of like crafted the next because you get into industrial design, you're like, oh, cool, we can, we 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 finally get to like engage with people, we're talking to people, we're doing design research. We're bringing people in. We're we're playing around with things. We're we're even doing co-design. I remember when I learned about what participatory and and what co-design was, and I fell in love with it. Um, and I'm doing like all of my projects then were co-design and participatory design, and it has it has been that way since 2010. But then you realize among that, there's still only certain people that we're engaging with. There's still only certain like. When I think about my studio class when I got my master's, um, it was was myself and then there was one other Black guy named Sean, and he was in the class ahead of me. Like, you know, it's not a lot of us there. And so when we think about whose communities are able to be directly impacted by design in the mainstream ways we think about design for innovation, you know, there's a gap, there's a dissonance in, you know, design, and especially when we're talking about, like, um, the area of design that I was really, you know, engaged in when I was in graduate school of um, universal and accessible design and thinking about how we can support people's functioning and health and well-being um, with products and with, you know, different design processes and different design methods Um, And so, over time, I just really started to hone in on, well, what does it mean to to use design as a catalyst for like equity and change and, um, you know, transformation um, in Communities and the products that people have access to, or even just in the ways that people think about design in itself, right? Like who mm-hmm. who who knows what design is? How can we think yep. about how we use design as a vehicle to expose more people to design? How we yeah. can design workshops, how we can design products, toolkits, resources, zines that people can have in their hands, and while they're you know learning about you know. the the next wave of technology or community resources, they're also being introduced to the process of what it means to design something um, and how they can think about themselves being a part of the processes to, you know, in the next wave of technology or in developing um, community infrastructure. Um, And so that's kind of, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say that, that I'm so glad you're saying that because, you know, something that I say all the time is that we've always been innovators, like Black folks have always mm-hmm. been innovators, we've been innovators mm-hmm. since the beginning, of the, t- the beginning of time, and often what has happened as things like design have gotten, put themselves into the academy, and like you said, now communities don't even know what that is, like they have mm-hmm. a very narrow view of what you can do when you're creative in that way, you know, like, we have forgotten our capacity to innovate, right? And we only mm-hmm. put innovation, whiteness does that, right? It puts everything mm-hmm. in like a very small box. So like innovation looks that way and that's not me. So I'm not a designer, I'm not an innovator, but yet you literally creating no way out of no way at your house yep. right now. Like right now you and your community have figured out how to solve some problem, but you're not even looking at yourself in that way. So like hearing you say like, Learning that experience by going through your education experience, and then realizing, like, I need to let other people know, like, you have the capacity to do this too. I know I saw mm-hmm. that really displayed um, when we did that the Detroit Birth and Black Breastfeeding Hackathon, which was all Black women, mm-hmm. right? And the transformation from the beginning of the weekend when women were coming in like yeah i got an idea and i think it would be cool to the end of the weekend them calling themselves innovators calling themselves designers saying yep and i got another idea and another idea like
0: mm-hmm. we need the
1: spaces to be reminded of that and that it doesn't have to sit in some like space where you got a degree to mm-hmm. get to, to give you that experience or that expertise or
2: mm-hmm. yeah. cuz that's how i think we get from like you know um Black folks being one of the largest consumers of and 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 cultivators of like sneaker culture, mm-hmm. to the head of pencil Academy being a black man. Like I I never knew the, that pencil was considered a HBCU in Detroit, one of Detroit's only HBCUs. We don't like that exposure just isn't there in design yeah. education. It's not talked about in that way. Um, and people are feeling like all I can, not, not, I don't even think it's that they, they feel like that, that all I can ever do is buy the, buy the products, but I don't think folks see themselves enough and curate and in creating like, and mm-hmm. in, in, in designing the products for as many people as I know have great ideas, right? Mm-hmm. As many people as we know, you know, will take you know, a, a, a piece of fabric and, and make an outfit to go to see um, Black Panther, right? You, mm-hmm. you had people that literally came up with like outfits, matching outfits for the entire family um, for the ways that we'll make, you know, outfits for our kids' step shows or dance competitions mm-hmm. um, and, and not realizing that all of that is like design. All of that mm-hmm. is ingenuity and creativity. Um, and not to say that it always has to be packaged and monetized, but more so um, recognized as part of the culture and recognized as as a way as how design got to be where it is. Because I think without mm-hmm. the culture of us, um, you know, that, you know, a lot of the things that 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 we engage with um, and from both a design and an engineering standpoint wouldn't be where they are. So how yeah. can we how can we. Not just expose, but like start having folks think about design as um, a tool in the same way they think about like budgeting their monthly budget. Right. 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 You know what I mean? Like, okay, I got this this thing I'm trying to work on let's let's go through a real quick like you know brainstorming with me and my i mean and you do it right yeah you you Mm -hmm. sit there and you throw out ideas you do your pros and cons or or, and then what if we added a layer of like what could this look like right like i've been doing that in my own life figuring out like what is the life that i want to live and how could i make that work right how can i how can i live where I want to live and own and and, and do these things and build how mm-hmm. I want to build while keeping like a, the, the the ideal career and all of these things like you, mm-hmm. you, you place you're all designing those-
1: your life yeah mm-hmm. all the time so, and I yeah. think you know in the lab we talk about that a lot like I mean that is the purpose of this lab is to do exactly what you're saying to take these mm-hmm. elements of design and lay them over our lives and say like you mm-hmm. can actually design a liberated free life you can dream of what it would be and then bring those elements back to the present right
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: like with the support of other people take those freedom dreams back to your community again and start the cycle all over right with a, a mm-hmm. bigger group of people after you've done it for yourself and I think um you know when, we, when I think about the building utopia project which I want you to tell people about that's what I think is gonna play a part in doing is everything mm-hmm. you just like reminding people their power to design. That designing is a tool that you actually have access to, like like you mm-hmm. said, like all the other tools we learn: budgeting, cr- picking out an outfit and matching it, mm-hmm. like you know, going knowing how to make a grocery list to cook. Like design is just one of those skills and tools that we need to have in our toolbox because it gives us it it. It reminds us of the power that we have to create mm-hmm. the future we want, right? And not wait mm-hmm. on systems that have never cared about us to create so, products or situations or programs or whatever you yeah. know that would make life better for us. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So tell tell us about building utopia, and we could talk yeah. about what it is like. Let the folks yeah. know what we've been working on.
2: <laughs> yeah, so building utopia is a toolkit um, that is um, uh, developed by myself, Jen Roberts, uh, Kirsten Bray, and Ende De De. Acte. Building uh, Utopia is, hopefully, it becomes like a way way to think about both community and and design when we think about um, the future of ourselves um, you know, the ways that we um, engage with one another um, while also considering the ways that we address uh, societal inequities, um, but also how we uphold the moments that that give us joy and the, the moments where we feel free and the moments where we feel in touch with our authenticity. Um, so we started developing this toolkit um, back in the summer of 2020, actually, Um, we, you know, and it was, the idea was born out of some research that we were doing in my lab, um, the Equity and Health Innovations Design Research Lab, Um, and we started thinking about, well, you know, oftentimes, and to your question earlier about, like, uh, my kind of emphasis on taking research out of the academy and like putting it in the hands of community um oftentimes what we hear when we do the like these design research projects or even when i talk to people about you know participating in design projects from industry or you know design organizations is that people kind of feel like They are just like the subjects of design. Um, You know, they are studied as design. And so that's always been my draw to participatory and co-design, right? Um, And so when we were thinking of, you know, what are some of the ways that we can engage communities in design where they feel like they have an ownership um, of not just what what ends up being, what ends up coming out of design as a, as a, as a process, but also the process itself, right? How can we work with folks to better see themselves in design processes and methods? How can we, you know, work with folks to realize, you know, to our earlier conversation that they've been, they've been designing all along, they've been, Mm -hmm. you know, cultivating these skills and, and, and ingenuity um, lives within um, Black and Brown communities. And so we started to develop, Um, this toolkit that we later uh, coined the Building Utopia Toolkit um, that consists of these decks of cards that serve the purposes of allowing people to collaboratively brainstorm futures for their communities or for their households or to address a particular challenge that they're having while also introducing them to what design is. Um, and so the different card decks in the toolkit um, serve just that purpose. And so we, we have, um, within the, the toolkit, we have five decks. We have a liberatory deck, we have a topics deck, we have a tools and solutions deck, we have um, a design methods deck, and then we have a forecasting deck. And it's meant to allow people to kind of strategize, okay, how can we look at, um, you know, by choosing a topic or by bringing their own topic if it's something that they're already working on. How can we look at this, this problem or this topic area through the lens of liberatory design, which we've laid in this, this building utopia toolkit. Um, with an Afrofuturism lens to help folks think about, you know, how can I think about this through a liberatory design lens? How can I think about our collective values as a community, the moments where I feel free, um, you know, how I might bring in the teachings of my ancestors or the uh, guidance of my ancestors or thinking about the future when I'm an ancestor, um, how I might want you know my children or my grandchildren or my children's grandchildren um, to engage in, in a particular space or with a particular tool. Um, and it walks folks through um, a version of the design process that feels more in tune with the culture of Afro-diasporic people. Um, yeah. And so along with those five decks, um, the Building Utopia Toolkit is accompanied with um, a guidebook um, that also helps people to to kind of think through this process and to document their ideas and to share out their ideas and um, to also engage with you know design in a way that feels more more fluid and and flexible to what feels comfortable with people. We didn't want to hone people into saying you have to brainstorm in this particular way, right? Oftentimes, um, design workshops in industry. Um, or other just like executions of um, of design, um, you know, from even the academy it's like we want to brainstorm in this very particular way using this method called whatever, you know, this shiny method um, that is born out of organizations where um, for the most part, black and brown people are, are, are or you know, are still minorities if they're mm-hmm. there at, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to give people the fluidity in the space to like think through, you know how can I think through um, environmental racism um, from a liberatory you know design uh, stance? Um, and thinking about it in in different pin, like different milestones in the future, right? If we wanted to think about this five years in the future, if we wanted to think about this 50 years in the future, what type of legacy might we wanna leave that addresses environmental racism? And how can we do that through thinking thinking through various design methods? Um, And so the impact that I wanted to have is you know, it, literally what we've been talking about um, is folks to feel like, here's something that I can pick up in my hands and, you know, it kind of draws out that, that inherent skill that I already have of, of doing design or thinking design or being, mm-hmm. um, you know, being th- that essence of, of what design um, can do and promoting how design can be a catalyst for social change, for economic change, for political change. Um, in our country, um, and and hopefully just coming up with some really cool ideas along the way, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and feeling like they have ownership as opposed to, um, you know, oh, I participated in this research study, and someone else collected my really cool ideas, and now they're doing all of these things with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we hope that you know the Building Utopia Toolkit uh, will get um you know picked up or in, in the hands of you know community organizers, people that are doing um you know political strategists, um folks that are thinking about community development, um, that are you know um, doing any type of advocacy work. Um, or just individuals that want to do um, community building, team building, um, or who or who are just interested in the concepts of futuring and world building, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. You know, definitely community like folk, people who are just engaged in thinking about our future worlds and how we go about thinking about those future worlds. Mm-hmm. So Afro, you know, Afrofuturists, um, people who are you know engaging with Black liberatory thought.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I also hope. I think that's what I like about the toolkit is that it is approachable for a lot of different groups. I think it could be mm-hmm. used in a lot of different ways. Um, Like, you know, we love to play some cards. I really hope mm-hmm. it gets to the point where like, you know, Yo, people at the house y'all having a little conversation and somebody pulled a deck out like all right 50 years in the future let's talk about what this is gonna look like what we see yeah. and like just have some fun just coming up with what it could be just mm-hmm. just to do it right like yeah. just to see what could be because I think what I've realized more than anything in this work is that we have a really hard time dreaming and even the mm-hmm. things that we dream about are still very restricted based on what we believe is possible in this context right now. And it's Mm -hmm. so hard for us to step outside of that, right? Like we see that even when we hear people talk about defund the police and you can't think about anything that could be possible Mm -hmm. outside of this thing, even though, you know, this thing hurts you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think more than anything, I hope that this gets in the hands of folks and they can, you know, have so many different flexible ways to work with it that they work with it all the time and that it just becomes a habit to just have these moments of like, well, let's just throw out what could be and then mm-hmm. let's bring what we can back to now, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm excited about it and I'm and I'm hoping that people, um, one, I think just feel our intentions behind it because mm-hmm. I think when you create stuff with good intentions from the right place mm-hmm. for people, you know, this ain't about clout for us. This is really mm-hmm. about getting something that we feel like could be a tool for liberation in the hands of the people who should be in the forefront of designing the liberation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited about it and, um, tell them where they can go sign up for more information.
2: Yeah. So right now we have kicked off our MailChimp campaign, um, and our website is live. So if you go to Um, buildingutopiadeck.com. So buildingutopiadeck.com, all one word. Um, You can find out a little bit more information and uh, sign up for um, our newsletter. um, And to to find out when the the deck will be live, we'll be kicking off our Indiegogo campaign um, in a couple of weeks um, where folks can start to purchase the different tiers of the toolkit, um, and, um, one of the things we're also incorporating, um, is holding workshops to kind of, uh, engage with folks, uh, you know, how to use the toolkit, what the toolkit is and how it might benefit their organization. Um, so you can also, um, you know, uh, sign up for the newsletter to find out information about when we'll be doing that.
1: Yes. So like, you know, just do the thing. We just do do
2: the thing, thing. put the thing out there,
1: put a thing out in the world. And I hope that anybody who's listening, they hear us. Like I say all the time, like I am not an expert. Like I am learning and living and growing and I'm just sharing. And that's what all of us are doing, sharing what we're learning as we're living and growing and hoping Mm -hmm. that folks come on the journey with us. So like, we telling you to put the thing out there, like Mm -hmm. we telling ourselves too, like just Mm -hmm. put the thing out there. So Mm -hmm. we hope that y'all will support. We definitely gonna be doing lots of workshops and things like that to um get people acclimated to the decks. And then we want to hear how you are using it too. So um yeah I'm very excited about this project and I think it's doing everything that you want to do in your work like taking Uh all these things that you've learned over the years and putting it right back into the hands of the people who really, in the grand scheme of things, came up with doing stuff like this anyway. Like, Mm -hmm. we've always been Mm -hmm. coming up with our ideas in a communal way and testing them out and tinkering with them until they get right. So Mm -hmm. um, that makes me excited for this. So to close us out, um, I want to close with this question I ask every guest I have. Um, What do you want your descendants to say about you?
2: Honestly, I think lately I've been thinking uh, she was here um, on this earth, like she lived a full life outside of the work, because I think it's really been getting to me how you have all of these really, really prominent thinkers and scholars of Black women that are gone in their 50s. Mm-hmm. They left such an incredible trace on the world, but they're they're gone, um, because we're not able to take care of ourselves, and the stress is too much, and you know the academy is not really there to really care for us, and 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 and, and care about our longevity, and so, you know, one of the things I'm I'm praying and and trying to kind of course correct now is like. I want to take care of myself to still be here. Like my grandmother is 91 years old. Wow. I um, got great-grands. You know, I want that. I want to see um, not just my, my kids grow up, but my grandkids grow up and some of my great-grands grow up. Um, I want to see, you know, whatever the fruit of my legacy is be taken up by the next um, set of people and, and expounded upon and built upon. Grow, Um, so
1: yeah, yeah. I love how I think I'm hearing from everybody lately that that's a lot of what they want to see. I think as Black women, especially Black women who might have seen our mothers not have as much freedom Mm -hmm. as we know they may have wanted or deserved to have. Like most of us are saying, what I I hope they see that I lived Mm -hmm. every bit of my life the way I wanted Mm -hmm. to live it. You know, and I think that. It's not a coincidence that our generation is is moving in that direction of like, mm-hmm. I don't really care if you see that I had a billion degrees. I want you to see that I did what I wanted fully with yeah. the people I loved and cared about, mm-hmm. and that that's what you should be aiming for too. And it's great, right, if a degree comes in that great, if you know if a job comes in that great, but like this is the real point is the love mm-hmm. and the community and all of that. And so, um, yeah, I think that you know, the fact that we all want that to be true. I think it will be, you know, like we want it, we all are working to, like you said, course correct some mm-hmm. of the ways we've been damaging to ourselves. And so yeah. I hope what folks get from today, hearing from you, is, you know, that they have the ability to one, design the lives that they want, but then also they have, um, as Black folks, we have such a unique creativity to design the solutions for the future. And mm-hmm. that, um, You know, the capacity to design is in all of us, um, Mm -hmm. especially us. And so thank you for doing this. And I Mm -hmm. hope it was a good conversation for you. I I enjoyed it.
2: No, you know, I always love spending, sharing space with you. Um, Yeah. And uh, even I'm sitting here jotting down notes because our conversation has me thinking about, you know, a couple of things that I want to do workwise towards the toolkit um this weekend. So yeah, this is this was great.
1: Yes. So y'all check out Building Utopia Deck. Check out Christina's um social media. I'll have all of that in the description and all of that when this is posted. So you can check out more about her work and what she does. And then um join us for our after show. Um. In a couple of weeks, I'll have that information posted as well for us. But thank you, Christina, for joining us. And I can't wait to do this again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right.